following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. Okay, so we are diving in to a new series, this Invest, Investing the Kingdom. So back in 2001, there was a group of friends in New Orleans, and they wanted to throw a concert, which to me seems like, what an interesting group of friends, right? That they're just sitting around going, we want to throw this concert. And they looked it, looked it up, what they wanted to do is going to cost them about $20,000. Now, in my group of friends, we would say, well, guess that's not going to happen, <laughs> But apparently they really wanted this concert to happen. So what they did was they put something together online and they said, hey, listen, we're going to raise money to throw this concert. If you can help us out, we won't charge you until that 20000 is raised. And once we reach 20000 we're going to throw the concert. You know, maybe you get a ticket or something if you donate, I'd assume. Well, they didn't reach their fundraising goal. But what they did do was spark an idea in 2001. And then later on, they started a little company you might know as Kickstarter. So Kickstarter being an online crowdfunding platform, the idea they had was, why do you have to go to Silicon Valley? Why do you have to go in front of Shark Tank to get things funded? What if you could put something online, connect with your audience, and that audience could then say, hey, we're behind that, and we want to fund it. And from 2012, July 2012, to July 2022, the amount of money invested via Kickstarter is $6.7 billion with a B dollars. And it's interesting because I went and looked at the top Kickstarters and what has raised the most money. Number one is an author saying, hey, I'll write four books in the next year if I can raise enough money. Now, he's a well-known author. He he's, you know, has a base, but he's the number one. Number two, I think, is a board game. This is pure investing on saying, I'm behind this. I, you know, there's something I enjoy. But it's fascinating to me that Kickstarter has become such a thing. And what's this idea that works behind Kickstarter? Well, what it plays to is us as people saying, I want to be a part of that. That we're invited to look and see what's out there and to say, I want to take my money and invest it in something I can get behind. So that whatever it is, somewhere down the line, whether I have the product or it becomes a great thing or not, we can say, hey, I put my money into that. I was an investor. As I was scrolling, I remember I came across some other of the top invested things, and one was the Pebble Watch, which I'm sure none of you remember. But I was in seminary, you know, back in the olden days, 2010. And I remember seeing this Kickstarter and wanting so badly to invest in it. 
But we had a great budget at seminary, which was, we don't have money, so you can't spend money. Because this watch, you know what it did? It connected to your smartphone. Watch out. See what I did? But it was like a paper white, you know, like a Kindle. And it, it would show you text messages and calendar reminders. And I thought, ooh boy, how fancy. And you know who bought out Pebble Watch? One of the big companies that started making watches. I can't remember if it was Google or Apple, but it was one of them. But they bought out this watch because they said, okay, that's the next thing. And there were three versions of the Pebble Watch in the top fundraisers. I was like, dang, these guys knew what they were doing. Version one, isn't this cool? Version two, but in red. Version three, it's white now, right? Like, they knew what to do. There's something for us in that as we look at Kickstarter to understand the kingdom of God. You see, there could be this idea that God looks at us and says, listen, I redeemed you, I saved you, good job. Your humanity, you're fallen, I've redeemed you, but you've made it. But instead, what he does is he goes, listen, I want to invite you to be a part of my kingdom. I want to invite you to invest into the kingdom of God. I want to bring you in so that you can take what I have given you and invest it into the world around you. Now here at Narrative Church, and especially with the Harvest Partnership that we're connected with for planting churches and making disciples, we have a way we talk about this, which is what we call the five capitals. So here are the five capitals. We have financial, physical, intellectual, relational, and spiritual. And there is purpose behind the ordering that we would say actually spiritual is the most important capital we have. Financial, while it may be one of the harder ones to talk about and understand, is actually less important than the other four. So what we're going to do over the next six weeks, because it's five capitals with a Serve Sunday thrown in, is we're going to take time and talk about how we as a church and we as the people of God use these capitals to invest in the kingdom of God, where we find in Scripture that it teaches us about these things and how we are called to invest that into our church, into our communities, into our families, into our places of work. So let's dive in this morning. Now, the book of Malachi, we're going to start Old Testament, right? And I thought, man, I can just pick the good verses here. I can pick the fun ones of test me, says the Lord, and watch your storehouses overflow. But we want to live in the reality of Scripture. And the reality is that the prophet Malachi is showing up and being like, you know why you're cursed? Because you're robbing God. So here's the deal. That's not Pastor Ted saying it. That's the Word of God. All right? We may be a little uncomfortable, but that's what the Word of God says. Now, let's take this a little bit verse by verse here. 
So we'll start with the top half of this section. Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, have we robbed you? How have we robbed you? In your tithes and your contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. There are a couple key things in there that are important for us to latch on to. First of all, he says, you're robbing me. So you're robbing from God. Listen, in terms of people you want to rob from, the Lord of the universe, probably at the top of let's not, right? But notice here he says, the whole nation of you. So he's showing up and speaking to the nation of Israel. There's an important differentiation we need to make as we talk about tithes and offerings in the Old Testament versus the New Testament. Now we look and we say, listen, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that's true. We trust that God is who he says he is, that the God of the Old Testament is also the God of the New. But there's a big thing that happens in the New Testament. Jesus. One of my favorite theological ideas um, is this idea, it's called Israel reduced to one. That if you think of the scriptures as a timeline, in the beginning you have the whole world. Now the whole world is really easy because it's two people, right? Adam and Eve. Now here's the thing, it's still the whole world. But God takes the whole world and reduces it down. And he comes to Abraham. Actually a guy named Abram, he says, I'm going to call you Abraham. And your family's going to be blessed in as many as the stars in the sky. So he reduces it down to that family. And then he reduces and reduces and reduces and gets to the nation of Israel. The people to whom he promises the land. We call it the promised land because God promises it to them. And he says, I will give you the land. And he calls it that over and over and over. And it is this key trade route along the Mediterranean. And the people love that land. And they take that land. Because it is theirs, it is promised. And that is the nation And what they get focused on is we are the chosen people of God, stinks to be the rest of y'all. But you see, over and over and over again, the promise to the nation is not just the land. The promise to the nation is from you will come the one who redeems the world. God protects and props up and even punishes the nation not simply because they're disobedient or they're under attack or things are going wrong, because he says, listen, I've chosen you as my people because from you will come the Savior. So Israel reduces down to one, to Jesus. So the process of tithes and offerings in the Old Testament were how the temple of God ran. It was how the Levites, the priests of the temple, that's how they lived. That's how the temple was built. That's how it ran, was through tithes and offerings. And it was built up to say, listen, all right, you brought in a harvest of 10 tons of wheat. One ton of that is a donation. That is your tithe, a tenth of what you own. Now, it's hard for us to think about that because I know 
when I'm looking at the costs I have in my life, I go, oof. But you know what I could do with a tenth? A lot of things. There's quite a few things I could do with a tenth of what I make. You know? I wouldn't mind, you know, a nice couch, a bigger TV. You can always get a bigger TV. And sometimes it's not even the things that you like. It's like, I need new tires. Like, tires are the worst thing to buy, right? Because you're like, tires should last forever. I hate buying tires. But you got to buy them. It's part of life. And so you look and you say, what is this tenth? But what God is saying is like, listen, I love in the Psalms it says, the cattle on a thousand hills are his. Which like to my millennial heart is saying, the bank and silo of Scrooge McDuck belongs to the Lord. If you don't get that, go home and Google Scrooge McDuck swimming in his silo of gold. It is this unending idea of money. It is this unending idea of resources to say, all of these things belong to the Lord. But we can lose sight and say, no, I I earned that. That's mine. Well, yeah, you did earn it. But if we look and we say, who gifts you with the job? Who gifts you with life? Who gifts you with health? It all belongs to the Lord. So there's this Old Testament idea of the tithe and the offering. It is a requirement of the nation. But listen to what God says. He says, I love this. I will curse you with a curse. You are cursed with a curse. I love when God goes, you missed it. Let me say it twice, right? But then watch what he follows up. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, said the Lord of hosts. Whenever you see Lord of hosts like this, this is the Um, Hebrew, Yahweh Sabaoth, which is basically the general of the armies of heaven. And see if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that I will not destroy, it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. Your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord's of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for your land will be a delight, says the Lord of hosts. God goes, listen, you're going to be cursed if you keep robbing from me. But on the flip side, if you join me in this, watch. Watch what I'm going to do. I almost used, and I wish now I had, there's this clip of Usher playing his tiny desk concert, and it's like, you know, three seconds long. But it's him, and he goes, Ooh, watch this, watch this. And I'll be like, that's God to you. That's what he's saying. He's like, listen, trust me and watch what I'll do. Now notice he says, I will pour down blessing on you. He didn't say, listen, if you give $1,000, I'll make it 10. He says, no, I'll give you blessing. Watch what I'll do. This isn't a Ponzi scheme. That's someone standing in front and going, listen, if you just sow today $1,000, it will come back to you a hundredfold. This is hidden and revealed God, just like we talked about with the Lord's Supper. The Lord reveals to us that he calls us to give, but he hides from us how that blessing returns. 
Now, that's an Old Testament idea. This required tithe and offering. Let's jump ahead. And I wanted to use this classic Ephesians verse because I want you to hear this. By grace you've been saved through faith so that no one may boast. It is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. So hear me today as we talk about money. You giving to church is not going to save you. You buying into the kingdom of God is not possible. It is by grace you've been saved through faith. And anyone who would stand in front of you and say, if only you gave a little bit more money, then God would love you more, just walk out of that church. But notice how he follows up this verse. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that he should, that we should walk in them. So we are saved by faith, but we are created anew, and we are created anew to walk in the good works that God has called us to. The good works don't save us. They are a byproduct of that salvation. And part of that is how we spend our money. Part of that is saying, where do I put the emphasis of what God has given to me? Corinthians will say it like this. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. You see, when Jesus comes, when the Savior redeems, the temple system transforms. Because the temple is no longer situated in a central location where the people have to come and be there. Instead, the temple is the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And so God's people scatter to the four winds and to the world. And so the tithes and offerings of the Old Testament that are required to keep the running of the temple happening are now changed to saying, listen, the temple is in you. And God loves a cheerful giver. I think it is very important for us to look at what God has given to us and to give back to the mission he has called us to. To invest financially in the kingdom of God. I would not be the pastor of this church without thinking this is a worthwhile place to invest. This is a worthwhile place to say the Lord is doing things. Over and over again, I just keep thinking we are small, but God keeps doing mighty things through us. But here's the thing. I want you to take time to figure out what that means for you. Growing up for me, and my parents, and, and my dad being in the church, what he encouraged, what he and mom taught us, was 10% was a jumping off point. Now this was our discipleship, our family. 
that they said, listen, we see this in the Old Testament, so this is what we do as a family. But this is a starting point, right? Here it says, God loves a cheerful giver. Each one must give as they have decided. And so for me, that's, that's part of where God has called Chelsea and I to invest in Narrative Church. And let me tell you, there are weeks where I go, well, Lord, what if we took a break this week? We had another car repair come in this week. My clutch gave out, which I know is not going to be a fun diagnosis. And I sat there, and I was like, Lord, the week of the stewardship sermon, you're going to do this to me. And I took a deep breath, and I prayed over the amount that Chelsea and I have prayed over over and again to say, no, this is where the Lord has called us. And you know, we're blessed by our family, by Chelsea's family, that her grandma has a car she doesn't drive, so I have a car to drive for a while. A little blessing of the Lord already. But here's my encouragement is to say, how do you view your finances? Are your finances a gift from the Lord or are they my earnings from me? I truly believe that as your pastor, as a brother in Christ walking alongside of you, money will be one of the things that tempts, tempts us most deeply. Because do you ever see the Powerball and you go, oh, what could I do with a billion dollars? It was only 300 million when I was in seminary. And I definitely wasn't the student daydreaming in class looking up my vacation homes in Hawaii. And you know what I convince myself of sometimes? If I only had a little more money, I could solve my problems. If I only had a little more, I could solve my problems. Y'all, Tom Brady is married to a supermodel, and money has not solved his problems. As you read history, kings and queens have inordinate amounts of money, and it does not solve their problems. When we talk about finances, when we talk about them in light of the Savior, it's to say, Lord, you know me. I know you as the Savior. And so I give back because of what you have first given to me. So here are a few things about Narrative Church. Our money here at Narrative works in a couple of ways. It pays the workers and it pays the bills. That when you look at our budget, our top, our top things are going to be me and Matt, Rent, and sometimes coffee. But that's where a lot of our money goes. But the second thing our money goes to is investing back in the kingdom. We invest into our district of our church body here in Texas because we know what they do with that money and how they serve the Lord with it. We believe that we as a church should be tithing outside of ourselves. So we give back to the district that helped plant us. We invest in church planting here and abroad. We have helped plant churches in Ethiopia, 
and we're looking in the future to how do we partner to plant more churches here in Austin. And the leadership team works hard to be wise investors of our money. We're not going to be up here asking for a jet. We're not going to be up here asking for crazy things. We want to see the kingdom of God advance. We want to invest in the kingdom. So here are three things. We believe that tithing and giving is an act of discipleship. Because it acknowledges the gifts of God for us. We believe in cheerful giving that includes a challenge. And listen, as I wrote that, that was through gritted teeth. Getting close to a challenge. Because every year I want to sit down with Chelsea and say, all right, did we get raises? Did we, were we gifted gifts? How do we look at what's been given to us to give back to the kingdom? Because we as a church believe in investing in the kingdom. That means investing in our folks here. That means investing in our communities. That means investing in Hopewell. That means investing in the Harvest Partnership where we plant churches. And here is my prayer for you as your pastor. Seek to be a cheerful giver. I'm never going to come in and be like, show me your bank statement, and then we'll talk about how much you should be giving. I remember the first time I heard a church did that, and I was like, I did what? (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) I don't want to be that guy. But here's the thing. God constantly challenges us and calls us forward. We as a church over COVID, we've been financially blessed. We're financially blessed when we started by investments from the people and the church at Faith in Georgetown, by the district of our church body, that we have money in the bank that we knew we were going to make it through COVID okay. But you know what? We were blessed beyond that. That we are a church and we have a lot of cheerful givers. The challenge for us is to say, what's our financial goal? We are within arm's reach of being financially self-sustaining, which means we're not reaching into our savings to make budget. And I think we can do that in the next couple of years. But the reason for us to do that is not so that then we can go, hey, we've made it, how do we buy cooler stuff? The goal of Narrative Church becoming self-sustaining is that we can then look around and say, Who needs the finances that we now have covered? Who do we need to be investing in, in our neighborhoods, in church plants, in mercy missions to invest in the kingdom of God? So my encouragement to you, as in the life of a disciple, not just here at Narrative, if you call Narrative home, then this is the place. If you call another church home or you're, you know, you're visiting us today, it's that place. But to say, God calls us to give to the mission where we are. And that's something between you and him. And to prayerfully consider and say, Lord, are you challenging me to more? Or are you calling me right where I am? 
says, watch how he opens the windows of heaven to bless you. It won't always be how you're looking for it. But I can tell you in my life, there have been those moments where I've looked around and said, wow, look at what God has done. Where it was nothing I could have done, there was nothing I could do. That when he challenged me and said, can you give me this? We then had to go to biology. When he said, can you trust me with this? Can you trust me with what I'm going to do with it? That he has given back to me tenfold, sometimes with money, sometimes with relationship, sometimes with a spiritual need where he steps in. But I promise you that as we look at how we are discipled, how our money leads us, giving back to to the church, giving back to narrative, giving to the mission of God is a place where he has called us. And he will work through that gift to say, watch, watch me, watch me. Watch what I can do. Let's pray. Lord, money's a weird thing. But here's what we pray. We pray that you would open our hearts to see the places where we view it as ours and not yours. Lord, I pray that personally for myself. Call us forward as your people to live in such a way as befits followers of of you. Lord, may we look at our finances as a capital for the kingdom of God. Call us forward. Let us seek after you. In your son Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.